0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. This is going to feel for some of us um, like I'm trying to force a uh, square peg into a round hole this morning. This is is going to be a bit tough for some of us to hear uh, this morning. And it's not just something that's going to be tough for us to hear this morning, but I think it's going to be kind of tough for us um, in in the uh, road forward, uh, where I think I see us going as a as a country. There's a very popular theme in our culture right now, and I think it can be summed up in, in three words. Rebellion equals freedom. Now, just take a moment, and I just want you to kind of let those three words kind of just sink into your heart. Rebellion equals freedom. And that's basically the premise many people have operated out of from about the time they were 12 or 13 years old. The appeal goes something like this. The best way to get freedom is through rebellion because as long as I follow the rules, as long as I'm playing by all of the rules, I'm not really free. Now, when you look at some of the more popular movements in our country right now, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Neo-Nazis, the alt-right, Proud Boys, Planned Parenthood, just to name a few, All of these, in one way or another, are rebelling against certain governmental structures, policies, authorities, and laws, all for the purpose of hoping to gain greater freedom from whatever it is that they perceive uh, that is enslaving or oppressing them. Defund the police, crush capitalism, overthrow governments, my body, my choice, election interference, cancel culture, gender fluidity. These are just a few of the ways people are convinced and have convinced themselves, if I can just throw off these shackles, I would be more I would have more freedom. Therefore, rebellion equals freedom. Fortunately for most people, once they kind of come into adulthood, they kind of come out of the fog, and they kind of begin to realize that rebellion doesn't equal freedom because our jails, our prisons are full of people who rebelled and ended up losing all of their freedoms. Adam and Eve. They were really the first that really kind of pushed the envelope on this. They were the ones who were kind of seeking more freedom from the constraints that Satan convinced them that God had put over them. Eat from this tree, he tells them. You won't die. Surely God wouldn't do that. The only reason God told you not to do that is because he knows in the day you do, you'll become just like him. So they took the bait. They rebelled against God, his rules, his authority. And instead of finding freedom, finding what they were promised, they found spiritual separation and physical death. And ever since that time forward, mankind continues to participate in the deception and the lie and the twist to prove that rebellion will lead to freedom. There's this insidious twist, and it follows us throughout life, There's an adult version of this very theme, rebellion equals freedom, and it goes something like this. If I disagree with the rule, I'll ignore it. If I disagree with the rule, I'll disobey it. If I disagree with the rule, I'll I'll just disregard it. It's, It's the same twist as rebellion equals freedom, it's just the adult version that somehow I am going to be free, I'm still gonna do what I wanna do, but instead of just dismissing all authority, I'm gonna just take it one rule at a time. One law at a time. If I don't like the rule, if I think it's too extreme, if I think it's too irrelevant, if I think I've grown past this, I'll just take one rule at a time, one law at a time, and if I disagree with it, I will disregard it. I will disobey it. Now, every one of us in this room, within a span of a few moments, could think of a lot of situations where we've done just exactly that thing. 40 miles an hour, oh, that is stupid. I'm gonna go 50. 55 miles an hour, oh, gee whiz. No one's around, no one's looking. It's a freeway, I'll go 75 miles an hour. Or you're filling out your income tax. It's that time of year. Get to your deductions and you think, oh, this is stupid. I should be able to deduct this. What is the IRS thinking when they tell me I can't have this deduction? I should be able to deduct that. As a matter of fact, I think God agrees with me that this should be a deduction. And because God agrees with me, I'm going to take it as a deduction even though the IRS says it's not. For teenagers, it's the curfew. Stupid parents. Midnight's too early. It ought to be 2 o'clock in the morning. Whether it's the speed limit, tax deductions, curfews, the employee policy handbook, there are many, many, many examples where because we don't agree with it, we just disregard it. We ignore it. We disobeyed it. A couple of weeks ago, we started this whole series, and we've been kind of looking at this invisible, this unseen world that impacts a visible and seen world. There is an invisible, an unseen world that impacts and it affects our seen and our unseen world. And we talked about germs. We used that as an example. There are germs that we cannot see. They're invisible, they're unseen, they're out there, and yet they impact us very, very specifically uh, through ways such as sickness, disease. We also talk that there is another invisible, unseen world that impacts us, it influences us, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. It impacts our decision making, it impacts our relationships, it impacts the way we view the world, it impacts everything around us. So today I want to talk about the big subject of authority, because it's really around this whole issue that the deception, the distortion, the lie first started. Now I'm like all of you, I I am all for authority especially when I'm the authority, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm all for submitting to authority as long as I'm the authority you're submitting to, right? We don't have any problem with that. We all love authority as long as we're the authority. I think authority are great, especially when that authority supports and agrees with me. I'm all in. I'm for it. I will be your biggest supporter. Agree with me and I'm there. I'd like to be able to call the police. I don't necessarily like being chased by the police. I'm all for the police, and I want them to be able to call them, and I want them to be able to support me in my time of need. I want to see their blue lights ahead of me, not behind me, right? But that's where the twist comes, somewhere along the way. And it's in our culture. And it finds its beginnings, again, way back there in the Garden of Eden, somewhere along the way when it comes to authority. When it comes to following the rules and obeying the rules, our first response is to evaluate the what. What am I being asked to do? What Is this rule, this law, this authority, what are they asking me to do? What am I being required to do? Whether it's my parents, whether it's the police, whether it's the government, whether it's your boss, it's the education system, whatever arena you're in, our first line of response to authority because of the way we view and we're Affected by this twist, this distortion, this deception from that invisible, unseen world is to evaluate the what. What am I being asked or required to do? And the twist, the deception is this. If I disagree with it, I'll disregard it. If I don't like it, I will ignore it. If I can disregard the what without consequences, I will disobey it. That's the twist. If I think this is a stupid speed limit and I can get away with speeding without getting caught, I'll just disregard it. If I think the employee handbook is just, you know, old-fashioned, it's kind of outdated, it's irrelevant, and if I can get away with not doing what it's telling me to do without consequences, I'm just going to ignore it. Because our tendencies, and again, because of the way that we are wired, and because of the twist, we look at authority, we look at rules, we look at laws, and our first line of Response is, let's evaluate what it says. What is it asking me to do? And if I don't like it, if I don't agree with it, and I can get away with it, then baby, I am all over it. Now, if I think I'm gonna get in trouble, if I think there are gonna be consequences, then I may adhere to it, not because I agree with it, but I just want to avoid the negative consequences. Now, that's kind of the idea I want to build on here. Now, here's the thing. If we were just talking about curfews and, you know, proper tax deductions, or should the speed limit be 35 or 40 miles an hour? If it was just those kinds of issues, this really wouldn't probably be worth spending any time on. But, but this is really kind of a big twist that affects us at multiple levels, which you're gonna see here in just a moment. There's a lot more at stake when you think about a 16-year-old teenager who gets into his car with his buddies, and a couple of six-packs, because after all, you know, this whole thing about underage drinking, I mean, that's for somebody else. I mean, I'm, I'm a mature 16-year-old. My, my, my 16-year-old buddies and I, we're above all of this. We're we're so much more mature. We're we're ready for this kind of responsibility. So so that 16-year-old, he kind of evaluates the rules and decides it's a stupid rule. I'm just going to disregard it. I know that there's, you know, a no open container law, but we even think that's dumber. So I'm going to disregard that too. And I think the whole thing about drinking and driving, it's probably, you know, good for the average 16-year-old, but I'm not the average 16-year-old. And my friends aren't the average 16-year-olds. And besides, we're we're mature, we can handle this. So those 16-year-olds, they look at the law, they look at the rules, and they look at them one by one. And what they disagree with, they just disregard, they ignore, they disobey. Just like my father did when he filled out his income taxes and cheated on the deductions, just like my mom does every day, leaves work an hour earlier, but puts on her time card that she was there. Yes, yeah, see, I can look at the rules like them and I can decide which ones I wanna obey or not. Our government is full of people like this. Our culture is full of people like this. Many of us, and I include myself in this, we operate from the perspective that I know what is best when it comes to rules and laws and authorities It's all about the what am I being asked to do. Wear a face mask. I don't want to. It's not healthy. I've been there. Those words have come out of my mouth. I still push back on face masks. It's the what I'm being asked to do. And if I don't have to do it, guess what? I don't do it. Now, when you open Scripture, you're going to discover a different paradigm. And this is where it's going to get a little difficult for some of us. Because you're going to discover there is a whole different paradigm, there's a whole different viewpoint, and a whole different frame of reference. And here's where we begin to unmask the twist. Whereas the twist says that when it comes to authority and rules, it's all about the what. What am I being asked to do where God says, no, it's all about the who. It's not about the what. It's about the who. We've made it all about the what am I being asked to do, and God says it's really about the who is asking you to do it. The twist says, I want to evaluate every rule one by one. And I want to decide for myself if that applies to me. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't make sense, if I don't like it, and I can get away without consequences, I will disregard it. God says, no, it's not about the what, it's about the who. We're going to look at Romans 13. Before I do that, I want you to to see this scripture in context. I want you to hear what we're going to read this morning in context, because... It's the context that Paul wrote, what we're going to read here this morning, that really makes it so powerful and kind of unbelievable. What gives these verses credibility is not just the fact that they're in the Bible, but the context in which they were written. Now, the Book of Romans is a letter, and it was written to Christians who lived in Rome at the time. Probably why they called it Romans. I don't know. Just taking a stab there. Now, there weren't really a lot of Christians in Rome in the first century because it was not a good time and place to be a Christian. And the emperor during this time, some of you history buffs, Probably had heard of him was a famous emperor his name was Nero Do you know anything about Christians and Nero it was not a good combination Nero burnt down the city of Rome and he blamed the Christians He burnt Christians at the stake he boiled them in tar he fed Christians to lions as a form of entertainment Christianity did not fare well under Nero Now obviously, Nero was a very sadistic pagan. He was a terrible emperor. He killed even parts of his own family. And the guy was just a maniac. So Nero is in charge. He is the authority in Rome when these verses in Romans 13 were written. Just key context. Keep that in the forefront of your mind as we walk through this. So with that in mind, here's what Paul wrote to those Christians living in Rome under Nero's authority at that time, Romans 13.1, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, to which we would say, okay, Paul, time out. Don't you mean that we just need to look at each rule one by one, we need to take each law one by one, and evaluate each rule and law at a time. I mean, come on, Paul. Do you even know what it's like living in Rome right now with Nero? Paul says, no, no, no. No, no. This is a shift. You think it's all about the individual rule and law and Paul says I am here to tell you it is not about the what it is about the who and you need to submit to governing authorities then Paul goes on in Romans 13:1 for there is no authority except that which God has established now we just need to take a really big pause right there and allow that to sink in. Because to a lot of us, that's just kind of unbelievable. Paul makes very clear here that the authorities that exist, all of them, have been established by God. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, what Paul's talking about there is Paul's talking about religious authority. Paul's kind of talking about spiritual authorities like the rabbi, the priest, the pope, or the pastor. No, no, no. Paul isn't going in that direction at all. And you're going to see that in just a moment. This verse goes on to say, the authorities that exist have been established by God. And then Paul points us to a kingdom principle that you will find throughout the scriptures, God always, 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 always works through human authority. That is why Jesus, who is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Because everything that needed to be done, Jesus had to do as a human being. And Jesus did everything that he did through human authority that was given to him by the Father. God always works through human authority. Now, again, if you just pause long enough to let that powerful concept kind of just sink in, it'll begin to make so much more sense out of life. And it might even also help give you kind of a perspective of history. God always works through human authority. God works through the good human authority and he works through the bad human authority. God works His plans and His purposes through righteous authority, and He works His plans and purposes through unrighteous authority. God works through believing human authority, and God works through unbelieving human authority. God always works through human authority. That is how God's will is established upon the earth. And I'll give you some examples of that in in a minute. So Paul says, look, it is not about the what. It is about the who. Because God exercises, has limited himself, has committed himself to work his plans and purposes through human authority that he has established and allowed. To which many of us are gonna respond by saying, now wait, stop just a moment. The implications of this is what, if what you're saying is really true, the implications of this are really kind of rather scary. Because that's like saying, if God established all authorities, then that means if I disobey my parents, If I rebel at school, if I ignore something my company has asked me not to do, or I don't do the things uh, that the government has asked me to do, then the implication is that to rebel against them, that authority, it's, it's kind of like disregarding or rebelling against God. Is that what you're saying? I mean, come on, Paul, you're, you're kind of getting the, these things kind of uh, onto the same line. If that's true, then you're making what I do at work a spiritual issue. Yeah. Paul says, that, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly my point. Well, then, Paul, you're you're making my my tax preparations a spiritual issue. And Paul says, yes, it is a spiritual issue. You're making what I do at school a spiritual issue. Yes, it is a spiritual issue. Verse 2, consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. God has established, this is a lot easier. This would have been a lot easier maybe for a lot of us a year ago. Wouldn't it? Yeah. What makes this so hard right now is there a lot of us don't agree with the man at the top in this country. This is where we kinda wanna begin to compartmentalize. It's not what the scripture says. doesn't call us to submit to the authorities again that we agree with, that we like. All authority has been established by God. And to go against, to rebel against that authority, to disobey that authority, is to rebel, to go against, and to disobey God. It is a spiritual issue. Now, you know why I said for some of us, it's going to feel like a round peg being shoved into a square hole today. This is not a popular message, but I think it's timely and I think it's important and I think it's going to pave the way we need to go. He who rebels against authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. God has established the authority in our lives, in our country. And as much as we want to push back on this sometimes, there will be consequences when we do. And our response sometimes is like, you know, okay, God, you know, I'm not going to claim this income on my tax return because they'll never know the difference. I'm not going to follow the employee handbook because that's irrelevant. And I'm not going to obey my parents because they've never really understood what's going on in my world. And I'm not going to do this, God, but I want you to know how much I love you. I'm going to disobey this, God, but I want you to know I am a doer of the word, not just a hearer. I love you, God. I love your word. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I love this spiritual thing, God, that you and I have got going on, and I know you agree with me, and I know I don't need to do any of that stuff because it's irrelevant and it's dumb. Paul says, okay, here's... Time out. You are so deceived. We are so deceived. You have fallen for the twist that they fell for in the garden of Eden. When the serpent said to Adam and Eve, hey, listen, let's evaluate this whole thing about eating from the tree. I know God said not to, but let's not worry about the who, let's talk about the what. Does this make sense? We can eat of all of the other trees in the garden, but this one? Doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you put it there if you didn't want people to eat from it? I don't agree with that, so let's just disregard it. I've examined the rule. Think any of this makes any sense? We're just going to go ahead because it is about the what not the who. God says to you and to me, and here's the overarching principle, your attitude and your response to your human authorities is a reflection of your attitude and your response to your Father in heaven. Your response to the authorities you can see is a response to the authority you cannot see. And to think that somehow we can be out from underneath that authority that God has put over us and at the same time be under God's authority is an extremely confused notion. You cannot be out from underneath human authority that God has ordained, that God has established, that God has put in place, and be under His authority at the same time. It's, it, it doesn't work. It never has, it never will. And that explains some of the things we do as Christians because we're constantly trying to separate this out. We're constantly trying to compartmentalize the what from the who. And the richer you are, and the more powerful you are, the more prone you are to fall for this twist, this deception. Because the more money you have, the more you think you're above the rules. The more powerful you are in the country, in your company, in your industry, in your department, you begin to feel like the rules are for the little guy. Yes to me, but no to thee. And we forget, or maybe we just never knew. When we do that, this is a spiritual decision. It's reflecting something about our attitude and our reverence toward God. This isn't God, I'm in charge and I can do whatever I want to do. The the rules, they're just for the little guy. I don't need to keep all of those rules because really, you know, we're kind of just in two separate worlds. We saw this truth play out over and over and over the last year with COVID. All the people making the rules of what you and I could and could not do, go where we could go, where we could not go, were the same people who were caught disregarding the rules they imposed on the rest of us. The richer, the more powerful you are, the more prone you are to fall for this twist, this deception. The Apostle Paul would say to you and I, man, you are so deceived, you're so blinded. You think it's about the what you're being asked to do. And Paul's trying to shift our focus away from that and says to us, it's really about the who is asking. Who's in charge? And if there are authorities that God has established, ordained and put in place over you and I even temporarily in the company, in the church, in your home, in your school, wherever you are, to rebel against those authorities is to rebel against your heavenly Father. Verse three, for rulers, hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do You want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. Now listen to this next verse. If you're a government uh, um, uh, official, you're a president of your CEO of your own uh, company, you're a teacher, you're a superintendent or a principal, listen to this next verse. For he, the ruler, is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. The goal of government is and should be to reward virtue to punish evil. Does it do that perfectly, faithfully? No, but that is really the the, the God-established, ordained role of government. Reward good, punish evil. Your boss. You you know, the, 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 the guy, the gal that is just so irreligious, it's not even funny? Paul said, he's God's servant. He's God's agent for your good. But he, he doesn't even believe in God. Doesn't matter. Doesn't limit God. Doesn't tie God's hands behind his back because God works through all human authority, both good and bad, righteous and unrighteous, believing and unbelieving. My dad? I mean, my dad is anti religion. My mom, she's anti God. Has nothing to do with religion. Has nothing to do with what you believe. That's the what. We're not talking about the what, we're talking about the who. That's what Paul's shifting us to. And Paul's writing this, again, let me remind you, Paul's writing this to Christians who are living in Rome under Nero. Because here's what Paul knew, God works always through human authority, the good ones and the bad ones. And to rebel against the authorities under which God has placed you is the equivalent of rebelling against your father in heaven. And again, some of us are sitting here, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've never heard this before. It's because of the twist because of the deception. Some of you may even be sitting there thinking to yourself, I'm not even sure I believe this. Of course we don't, because we live in a world that is deceived, has been ever since the Garden of Eden, because we have made it all about the what, and we have forgotten the who. you need to understand god works through human authority whether they believe him or recognize him as god or not and your attitude toward human authority it is a reflection of your attitude toward your father in heaven even though you may not realize it because this is the way god works verse 5 it's that wasn't enough therefore It is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment. See, that's what we do. I think this is a stupid rule, but if I don't keep it, I'll get in trouble, and I don't want to get in trouble, so I'll keep it, I'll do it. See, the only reason many of us submit to authorities around us is to stay out of trouble. It's not because there's any spiritual connection. It's not because there's any spiritual connotation. It's just we just don't wanna get in trouble. My dad will kill me if I do that. My mom will ground me if she finds out I did that. Well, what if your mom and dad would never find out? Oh, I'm all over that. So what are you saying? I'm saying, I'm not doing this because I agree with it. I'm not doing this because, you know, I honor my father. I'm not doing this because I think, you know, my mom is God's agent for good. I'm just doing this to stay out of trouble, to avoid the consequences. And then Paul takes it to the next level. Listen to what he says. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. In other words, it's the right thing to do. It's the honorable thing to do. And when we begin to kind of untwist the twist, and this kind of becomes a part of our thinking. And when you're sitting there filling out your income taxes, you're not just accountable to the federal government who may never find out what you've done. This is a matter of conscience because the federal government is simply an agent of God, established, ordained, put in place over us by God himself. That doesn't mean they're godly, but they are an agent of God for good. This means when you're taking the tests at school and you have an opportunity to cheat because nobody's looking, It's not a matter of me whether I'm going to get caught or not. It becomes a matter of conscience. It's wrong. I shouldn't do that because I want to honor God. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat my teacher. I'm not going to cheat the educational system because to cheat on them is to cheat on God. It means when you and your spouse have agreed on something, maybe about your family or your finances, and you have an opportunity to take advantage or to cheat Maybe you think, I'll never get caught. They'll never know. Because in the past, it's all been about the what and not the who. And you see, all of a sudden, this comes raining in on us at just about every relationship in our lives. And Paul says, look, if you're going to be a God follower, if you're going to take your relationship with Jesus seriously then this isn't a matter of keeping rules until you know you won't be caught. He said this really needs to become a matter of conscience because you're not just accountable to your parents, to your boss, your teacher, your government. You're accountable to God who has placed and established all of those authorities over you. And then Paul gives us an illustration, and this is how I know That Paul's not talking about spiritual authorities or religious authorities. He says, this is also why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's servant who give their full time to governing. And I'm sure as they're reading this, they're thinking, Paul, you don't even live here. You don't even know what the taxes pay and support. Paul, do you realize the immorality our tax money supports here? And and, and Paul says, yeah, Again, you're making it all about the what. It's about the who. I sound like Dr. Seuss this morning. I mean, honestly, how many, how many of us have complained repeatedly about taxes? Anybody in here this morning love paying taxes? Yes. No one likes paying taxes All of us would love to be able just to keep that money for ourselves. We've all complained about it. And Paul's illustration is this is why you should pay your taxes. Because these are the authorities. These are God's servants for good. You pay your service, your taxes, because the taxes are too Support to reward evil, to to, to reward good, to punish evil. You don't pay your taxes because we think they're fair and just. In most cases, maybe they're not. You pay your taxes because it is going to the government that has been established and ordained by God. And to cheat the government by not paying your taxes is to cheat God. And so you can stand here this morning and you can give me 50 excuses of why the US government is wrong, and 50 excuses of why the tax code is wrong, it doesn't matter. You may be exactly right, you may be spot on. God has established, ordained the government, pay your taxes, not because they're fair and just, but because they are representatives, they are God's agents for good. And if you think you can be right with God and not pay your taxes, you're not paying attention to the New Testament because it's not about what, it's about who. Now, what I've given you this morning is the introduction for where I'm going to go for a little bit here. Sometimes people ask, are you saying we should never question authority? Oh, always question authority always question authority. Kindly, gently, politely, reverently, you can question authority. And we'll pick it up here next time, but let me give you a teaser where we're gonna go with this next. When someone in authority over you abuses that authority or asks you to do something outside of the law, what do you do? You simply appeal to the next level of authority, but stay under that authority. And I'm, I'm going to just give you some next time biblical examples, and I'm going to talk about the ways that I see this happening uh, in our current government um, today. But when someone in authority over you abuses you, or is taking advantage of you, or or, or doing illegal things against you in that authority, that place of authority. They ask you to do something outside of the law. You simply appeal to the next level of authority, but you stay under that authority. And then that's where we're going to go next time. Let's just stand together this morning. You know where you need to God to shift this for, for you this morning. And there may be many like you here this morning that, that you've pushed back against a lot of things in this last year. I have, you have, we all have because we didn't agree with it. We didn't like it. And we made it about the what. And God says it really needs to be about the who. Who is asking you to do that, and if you believe that God has established, ordained, and placed all authority over you, and we rebel against that, what are we doing? We're rebelling against him, and so maybe for some of us this morning, myself included, it just begins with a time of repentance, that God, I have rebelled against authority in my life, that you have placed over me. Whether that authority's been good or bad, righteous or unrighteous, believing or unbelieving, we have rebelled, we've pushed back against that. And we've made all kinds of excuses, and I'll guarantee you, every excuse you have given to yourself is about the what, and you've ignored the who. And I think what God wants to begin to do, and and I think this is where God's gonna begin to lead us If we're truly gonna follow him, it really needs to become about him. We're gonna follow him. We're gonna submit to him. And whatever happens down here in this authority, we can appeal. We're gonna talk about that. And we can begin that today. That God, whatever is going on in my heart with any authority, with any rules, with any laws, whatever is going on in my heart, whatever struggles, whatever contradictions, whatever tensions there may be, that God, this morning, we want you to help us to begin to sort out the what from the who. to begin to clear the fog, to untwist the deception, to unmask the lies that we've told ourselves, I don't have to, I don't want to. That God, you would begin to change our hearts, our attitude, our responses. That if nothing else, God, that we would look to you, the one who is established, who has ordained whatever authority you have placed over us, that God, we would say yes to you and yes to what you have ordained, what you have allowed, what you have established. And so, God, help us to walk faithfully in that tension in those moments of contradiction and knowing god if there come times god where we have to obey you first and foremost that god we understand that will come with consequences So, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would help us again to see there are so many similarities to what we're going through as a country right now to the very people that Paul wrote to back there in Romans 13. And, God, just as it was difficult for them to hear those words then under that leadership, under the things that were happening under Nero, that, God, this can be just as difficult for us in the times we're in. So, again, Father, we just pray you'll help us to settle the contradictions, to unmask the lie, to untwist the distortion. So, Father, we just invite you to work in our hearts this morning that you would bring truth to the lie. that you would bring clarity to those places of uncertainty. And Father, we thank you for the authority that you have established, ordained, and allowed. We thank you for that. We recognize that. We honor you for that. And may that begin to just emanate from our hearts, our words, our actions, that we recognize who you are and what you have established. And God, we wanna come under that fully and completely. Just as Jesus did, just as Paul did, just as the Christians in Rome did. Father, just again, for all the questions, for the exceptions that we're trying to find, we just ask you, God, to speak truth to our hearts. And we thank you for Jesus because, again, he shows us the way to walk this. He shows us how to be light in a very dark world. We want to be light. And so help us to follow you and to honor you just as Jesus did. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.com.